Hey, how's it going, everybody? You're listening to another episode of the Super Mercado Brothers Video Game Music Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. This is a podcast where we share and discuss the very best in video game music. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm his brother, Will Brueggemann. This is another chill, relaxing episode of the podcast. Perfect for summer. Yeah, the last few that we've done have been, you know, in more of our traditional format because, you know, Mm -hmm. we're still kind of in the early stages of our new post-500 episode era of the podcast, which... I gotta say, man, I've been so loving the the freedom uh, that I feel like we've been having with these episodes. I think it's nice to have a week off in between episodes. It's so nice, yeah. <laughs> I enjoy having a non-uniform format where we can explore different concepts. And it's also great to have opportunities like this where we can just mm-hmm. catch up, have a relaxing yeah. episode. We're going to answer some listener questions today. This is going to be a heavily discussion-based episode. Yeah, Yeah, so there's three things on the agenda. The first thing is just to catch up with both of us, uh, particularly with Will. I know a lot of you guys are interested in hearing how is Will's uh, LA adventure (laughs) going so far. Um, We'll chat about something video game related that we've been excited to talk about for a while, and then we'll answer some listener cues. Um, So let's just start with you, Will. It was so funny. Last time we recorded, which was about two weeks ago, we totally forgot to talk about uh your life and and what's been going on in california so so what's been going on for our listeners who have no idea why why are you in la and how's everything going well it is funny that we forgot i think we're so used to recording this podcast remotely now that it's just like second nature we don't even discuss the fact that there's a distance between us but Mm -hmm. yeah um i am in los angeles emma and i moved here probably about Man, it's got to be like four four weeks ago at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and the graduate program that I was in, or I guess I'm still technically, you know, finishing up the last few stages of uh, Columbia College, Chicago. One of the things that attracted me to the program originally is that at the very end of your four main semesters, they have a summer semester in LA. Um, which is a two-part thing. There's an internship where every composer has to find an internship with, you know, a, um, most of us do it with some sort of media composer, someone that works right. in film or television. But um, some of my friends have been working with other people within sort of the industry. My friend Peter's working with Shai Rozo, who's a music editor. My friend Yifan cool. is working for White Bear PR, which is a PR firm that represents a lot of media composers. So we all have different internships. I've been so fortunate to be working with uh, Mark Isham, who's a legendary composer in film and television. He's a very hardworking guy. He's also an amazing jazz trumpet player. Um, and uh, working for him has been honestly incredible um the the studio that he has is unbelievable and it's sort of on his property of his home so i was Mm -hmm. telling carl it's kind of like the dream setup for any musician where you have a separate designated space it's its own building but but you just have to go outside and walk a few steps to get there you don't have to deal with the la traffic especially oh and the gas prices too i mean that's even more important these days so will what are you currently working on for mark right now i think some of our listeners might be curious what what this internship is looking like for you 
Yeah, so I really didn't know what to expect going into it. I I was happy to just sit and observe and listen to his team. Um, And I also didn't know kind of what it would look like, uh, you know, in his actual studio. A lot of composers that work in television, uh, people might not know this, but they tend to hire large teams of additional Mm -hmm. music writers and assistants doing things just because, you know, the turnaround times on television is quite quick and maybe often they don't have picture lock until quite late. So you just sort of need all hands on deck. But what's amazing when you look at the number of projects that Mark has worked on, he has such a small team. He has his main assistant, Allison. He has a tech assistant named Lucas. Um, and well, also, you mentioned, too, that <laughs> he doesn't have the huge ghostwriting team, the kind of gross uh, trend that we've been seeing in the past, I don't know how many years, uh, for film music. He doesn't have that, which is great. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, he has a few writers that he'll work with occasionally, people that he's known for a long time. But, yeah, it's a really small, kind of efficient operation that he has. And so that's been really cool because, um, you know, like my friend Marcus has been interning uh, at John Powell's studio, which is like mm. a total dream, you know, for yeah. him. John Powell's obviously a legend, but uh, I think composers that have been, or you know, I have a few friends that are at Remote Control, um, which mm. is Hans Zimmer's studio. But most of them aren't necessarily such a different environment. The, they're not getting the like one-on-one experience with their. Um, internship host that I've been getting because I'm essentially like at Mark's house. And so I've met his dogs and his kids. Yeah, it's almost like the difference family. between working for a nonprofit versus working for like Amazon or something like that. Totally. It's 100% like that. And so yeah. m- most of the work that I've been doing for him from the start has actually involved engraving, notation, and more recently, orchestration. Hmm. He has a really exciting concert coming up in Brussels later this year and there's an orchestra that's actually doing a an album recording of a lot of his great film scores and a few tv things um and then there there's going to be a concert next year i think uh and so i've basically been creating these orchestral suites of some of his film scores and Mm -hmm. particularly some of his recent film scores so the first one that i worked on was for judas and the black messiah which was a great movie that came out a few years ago. I definitely got a lot of Oscar buzz. Um, mm-hmm. And the second one that I worked on for him was for the recent Nicolas Cage movie, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. I still have to see that. I still have to see it too. I actually haven't. And I didn't listen to the music for it before interning with Mark. I knew he did the score, oh, wow. but I really wanted to see the movie. So I kind of mm-hmm. didn't want to spoil that for myself. But then here I was, I end up working on... That's you know, so funny. Arranging this suite and God, the the music is is so strong. I just I'm really excited to see the film because I I adore his his theme for that. And you know when you're working on orchestrating something and something for a full orchestra, it it takes a lot of time. Even if you're just inputting notes that someone else put down, and you, oh, there's even so if much you weren't that's making involved, any decisions. So I, you're listening to it again and again, and you're you know living and breathing the music. And then the most recent thing that I've worked on for him um, is 
has been really interesting because the first two I was sort of like assembling, they were making like compilations of the score. So Mm -hmm. taking a few different cues in finding ways to stitch them together as like a concert suite and then also arranging it for a more conventional symphonic orchestra. Right. Uh, But the more, the most recent thing that I did was just taking a single cue that he wrote for the nevers, which is a show on HBO um, and the queue ends the very first episode of the show. And it's it's really unique, actually, because the whole finale of that episode is entirely wordless. No sound effects. Mm. It's just visuals and music. And there's this really long, cool. gorgeous sort of elegiac piece that Mark composed. It's this hybrid piece for basically strings and synths. And it has this sort of Philip Glassian, like, mm. organ arpeggio stuff. And so it's a gorgeous piece. But then I was tasked with translating that piece, which is very much leans on synth elements and also, right. you know, production and mixing where you have, like, a solo cello that's front and center, you know, being louder than the orchestra. And so trying yeah. to figure out a way to translate that piece. What a fun into challenge. A more conventional orchestra. It's really fun. Well, it's fun. also so cool that this is going to be recorded so that you'll be able to look back and actually hear some of the early work that you did for him. So that's really cool. Because a lot of times that wouldn't be the case, you know, especially for a yeah, concert. Yeah, it was fun to try to make, um, because the original piece doesn't have brass or woodwinds in it. Mm. So trying to figure out how to use the brass and woodwinds to accomplish the same effect as the synths. So there's some fun things that I experimented with, like one of them being, you know, a lot of like pad synths, you'll hold down the keys of it and then you move and play the next chord, but you can still hear the decay of the previous note and it might have a long tail. Well, you're not going to get that. So I I couldn't just transcribe what the synths were doing and have say the flute section play it because then you're going to hear them play this whole note and then Mm. move to this next note. And it's not going to have the same feeling. So I had to do a lot of things with staggered entrances. It's kind of stuff that I learned from studying like the impressionist composers like Debussy and Ravel, where what starts off as a flute kind of slowly morphs into an oboe morphs into a clarinet and that kind of sound allows you to have these staggered you're definitely the perfect of... person to, to be working on that i wanted to ask you something else about la too uh so it's it's clear it's clear to everyone that will's having a great time with his internship this summer uh is L- la period just like california period you've never lived there before how's it been so far are there some like particularly fun places you've been to uh any like music any shows you've been to or any good food spots like how yeah. how's LA been overall? That's a great question. Emma and I have absolutely loved it so far. I, I think it's interesting. One of the things that struck me immediately was how comfortable I felt here. And it's something I didn't yeah. anticipate. In your area, particularly. Yeah, because right? we loved living in Chicago and we knew that it was going to be completely different. So I think we expected there to be some sort of culture shock. Mm-hmm. But... Um, I actually found driving around here and everything to feel a lot closer to like the Twin Cities because, you know, St. Paul and Minneapolis are definitely more driving cities. I mean, they've Mm -hmm. been getting a little bit better with public transportation in the last 10, 15 years, but still it's, it's nothing like what you have in New York or Chicago. 
um, where it's like almost everybody uses public transportation. A lot of people don't even own cars here. Everybody drives. um, And I actually feel comfortable with that. You know, the the roads are way more spacious. Everyone talks about the traffic, but I, I, I would rather sit in traffic than have to deal with like the really aggressive Chicago drivers. Well, yeah, the stress <laughs> of driving in Chicago, I I can't imagine it being anything close to that in LA. So that's that makes a lot of sense. What's your favorite meal that you've had there so far? Yeah, so Emma and I have been on a quest. I feel like every place we move to, we're really trying to find um, the best Indian food that we can. Nice. And so the first two places that we tried were kind of bombs. But oh, really? we did find this one place. Now I'm gonna. I just can't remember the name, so I don't want to butcher it. But it's something like, <laughs> uh, something clay house, like India clay mm. house or something. Uh, and it's oh my god, it's exquisitely good. Um, awesome. Not surprisingly, we haven't really been able to find many good pizza places. Um, yeah. Which I know a lot of people talk about how the pizza in L.A. is terrible. Uh, and that's sort of been my experience so far. Um, but honestly, yeah, most of the restaurants that we've tried with, there's this great Mexican place nearby us that we, we really, we really love. Um, and we went to this really cool bar, um, in the arts district downtown, which is Mm. a really neat area. It kind of reminds me, it it reminded me of areas in Minneapolis. Right. I mean, I think all my frames of reference are going to be, you know, (laughs) Minnesota since that's the cities you've lived in grew up. But that, that I gotta say, man, it's like, I think I was expecting things to be so different and it's kind to of feel like, like a different planet. Or I mean, a city is a city when you're in a big urban area, it has a certain feel other than the fact that there's a palm tree and the weather is really nice. It, after a while, you just feel like you're driving around a city. So I think that's the thing right. that I've loved so much about it is there's kind of an empowering feeling of when you move to Los Angeles where you sort of feel like you can get comfortable and, like you can almost conquer the city in a way that you don't necessarily have when you move to a city like mm. New York or Chicago, where yeah, I think a lot of people get very intimidated, and sometimes that feeling never goes away. We loved right. it living. Well, there, also but you you are lucky different. because like the area that you guys are living is like pretty close to where you're going every day. Pretty, it sounds like pretty close for Emma too. So like that's really lucky because you always hear people complain about having to go on the opposite you know, side of right. LA and stuff. Even yeah. Conan and I mean, that on would their be... podcast, they were complaining about that, right? Is I it heard go- that. The where he's going lives to the on... yeah. <laughs> Gosh, I was thinking I about it. It's podcast. so weird listening to stuff like that now. Mm-hmm. And cause like, I realize most of the podcasts that I listen to, the hosts live in Los Angeles. Yeah. So I'll be listening to smart lists and they'll be talking about some restaurant or some area. I'm like, I could, yeah. kind of, I could go to that if I wanted to. And <laughs> I'll funny. hear Conan talking about driving. And I, I'm just like, I'm listening to this while I'm driving on the one Oh one. And I'm like, that's yeah. how I would get to, that's yep. just crazy. So it's, it's interesting. Um, but yeah, we've loved it. And Emma got a really great new job. She's working for the Mr. Holland's Opus Foundation, which is a nonprofit, a wonderful charitable organization that was actually started by the film composer Michael Kamen, who some people might remember. He did a lot of great kind of classic films in the 80s and 90s. Um, cool. I think one of his best scores 
at least like one that has been used so often in movie trailers and things was Robin Hood and the Prince of Thieves. Oh yeah. Um, but he also did the score for like Die Hard and he mm-hmm. was the composer for the movie, Mr. Holland's Opus. And so he started this company that uh, is essentially a group that allocates funding to underfunded schools that have cut the budget for their music programs. So band Mm -hmm. programs that have, you know, no equipment or no money, or maybe, you know, Emma hears all these horror stories of, you know, the, the music room is shared with the storage closet of the school and, you know, there's no resources. And so what's cool is not only does this organization give money to those schools, but they also partner with other companies to try to Mm -hmm. get them to donate as well. And they partner with the school districts themselves to try to get them to commit to more funding and they'll say we'll give this money if you match this so what they're doing is great because not only are they providing um access to you know great music education to places that don't have it but they're also ensuring that um these programs can be sustainable and that they don't just need you know donations like this where maybe they have a good year or a good two years and then they're back to where they were so it's awesome um that emma has loved working for them and i know that that's been a really exciting new experience for her as well that's so cool so yes will and emma are doing very well really enjoying their time so far in la i know a lot of a lot of and actually some of our later listener cues i think we had a couple that were about that too so I'm glad we were able well, to touch dude, on that. Well, dude, but I need to turn it around to you. Enough, you know, blabbering about me. You have a freaking baby coming. <laughs> uh, can we talk about that for a second? That's insane, yeah, it's, right? It's pretty. It's pretty surreal. I was I was talking to Jill the other day, and I was admitting that I don't think it is fully sunk in yet for me still. And I wonder if it actually won't until December, until the baby comes, because it's such an interesting experience for me. You know, it's like. I'm I'm just trying to take care of Joe and just like, you know, be aware of all the changes that's going on with her, but it's like I'm not really feeling any of that, you know? So it's right. it's such an interesting experience because we're talking about things and we're buying things and we're preparing for things, but it still feels like not real. So yeah, it'll be interesting for me to, to see when does that actually kick in emotionally that oh my gosh like our life is going to change and everything's going to be different i think it's starting to like so we got we got some good deals on some car seats and stuff and so like we actually this past weekend got a car seat and just having it in the back seat and just going to my car and opening the door like putting i think i got some groceries and seeing the car seat i was like what is this my car like (laughs) this can't be my car why is there a car seat crazy so that was that was definitely one moment you have memories of being in a car seat uh, no, I don't. I don't think I do. Um, I'm sure you have memories of me being in a car seat, though. The only memories I have is like, is you flying around the back of a station wagon. It was a different time. No, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure that I had a car seat at some point. Uh, no, everything's going well. Uh, Joe's doing really well. Um, uh, we, I think, we're about a month and a half away from that really exciting ultrasound appointment where we'll we'll, uh, find out the gender so we're looking forward to that that'll be later this summer so that's That's kind of something that I'm really looking forward to but yeah everything's everything's going well one of the main things this summer for us is to is to get Luna additional training so I've been working with her but we actually have an in-home dog trainer coming later this summer um actually I think next month uh so I look forward to that um because she's 
she's a really great dog and she has a lot of natural uh, abilities just wanting to please and she's very food motivated but there's a couple things that she just has to master before <laughs> before the baby comes um, yeah uh, mom and dad were talking about how they've noticed like a real improvement with like her behavior like that you've done a really good oh, job she's training yeah her. no i yeah she she's definitely make making a lot of progress she's such a good dog and she's just getting better every week so that's going to continue i i'm excited i'm coming i'm putting out another one of my like chiptune compilation albums kind of in the vein of like bit by bit uh and get bit i'm putting that out on um friday july 1st um, so that's been fun to kind of go back and pick which tracks I haven't released on Bandcamp yet. Yeah. Um, it actually made two new tracks. So the, the, the opening and the closing track are, are new. And then the rest of them are just various, you know, unreleased tracks that I've made in the past few years. So that's fun. Um, trying to think of what else is going on. Yeah, definitely a lot less, a lot, probably a lot less busy than, than, than Will is these days, but I don't know, um, man. I feel like you keep yourself busy. That's, that's the thing that I've always learned. Um, and you know, it's like, I feel like so many of my habits and behaviors come from you and from Marty, but especially you, because you and I worked so closely together during those like really formative years, you know, in kind of like early high school, yep. you know, when I'm like just absorbing so much about wanting to make music. And mm-hmm. I still have so many memories of like making tracks together in your old apartment on St. Oh, Paul Oh, such Avenue. good times. Yeah, I have yeah. great memories. The o- the other thing that I that's been keeping my keeping myself busy, me and Joe, we've been playing a lot of Unravel 2 for the Switch, Ooh. which is a really pretty game. You will, you know what it reminds me of? It so reminds me of 90s PC platformers like Heart of Darkness or Out of This World. Yeah. It, it just has oh, that dude, quality to it. it because it's artistic and it's, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's just really fun. So we've been enjoying co-op on that. Um, I definitely have been watching a lot more movies lately. Um, mm-hmm. Joe's been getting into more PC gaming. She got a Steam account like a couple months ago. Um, nice. She actually got one of her brothers uh, had this really good gaming tower that he's not using anymore. So, so she has that now. So she's been playing some PC games, and I've been watching some more movies uh, than usual. Will Will finally watched what I was raving about. I told him to watch it for a couple months. Uh, everything, everywhere, all at once. Um, so I'm so glad you finally. I actually yeah. just showed that to Joe a couple nights ago too, because she hadn't seen it. So oh I've now God. seen it twice. Yeah, it's. It's one of those movies, one of those rare movies where literally everyone that I've heard talk about it has only said positive things. I haven't heard yep. a single criticism. I can't of the imagine film. a criticism of and it. Yeah, it's incredible. I I agree with the consensus. It's phenomenal. It's it's, it's unlike anything else ever. Not, yeah, not only is it like probably the best movie of the year but i think it's a defining movie of this generation it's a well, defining movie of a to, new era of cinema not that i always care about this kind of thing but i do look forward to seeing the the awards and like what it's nominated for i would not be surprised if it was nominated for best picture and when you yeah. think about how i don't know if you know this will how it incredibly should win for low, editing it should win how for incredibly everything. low budget it was um yeah all of the visual effects in the movie every single visual effect was done by i want to say five people uh, and none of them were professionals. None of them went to school for visual effects. Uh, <laughs> they just figured it out. They watched YouTube tutorials. Literally, it was that was kind of how the movie was made. Um, 
so yeah, I, I just think it's such an inspirational movie, even just for that. It was dude. Well, it was and edited, that's another reason the movie why it's was so edited defining. on Adobe Premiere. I mean, that, well, <laughs> that's and that's another rare. reason why it's such a defining movie because it it feels like it comes. It's born of the culture that we all live in, like the yeah. kind of humor of it. And I don't want to say really too much explicitly about the film to give anything away but i'll just talk in these cryptic ways but it feels like it's born out of the sort of modern internet culture and it's addressing issues that are all relevant in our lives but it's done in this sort of pixar way where Hmm. things are personified with these clever metaphors and so it's this high concept movie that's fun and it's high concept in the way that like the matrix is high concept where it's like you have all has this some similarities internal to the logic and these this whole world that they've created and these yeah. rules of how things work yet it's actually at the heart of it a really really personal story and mm-hmm. it's about these relationships so emotional, and this yeah. family and that's the thing that makes it so resonant and that's what I think they threaded this needle where people talk a lot about how it's like how come comedies you know, get so screwed over at the Oscars. How come action movies? Don't well, this movie is everything. <laughs> but this, <laughs> no I think, this could really do it. This could be the year where an action comedy wins Best Picture. Um, at least, so that's I'm what excited I'm for. to talk about a video game topic, and it's actually one that we haven't talked about on the podcast. And so, when we were trying to think of what would be a topic to to talk about today related to games, this is definitely it. Uh, We're both incredibly excited for Return to Monkey Island, and I can't believe we haven't really talked about it. We're going to get a new Monkey Island game that is worked on not only (laughs) by Ron Gilbert, um, but it's bringing back so many other people that we love. Dave Grossman as well. Grossman, Land, McConnell, Bajakian, Dominic, Armada. I mean, it's like almost everyone that we love. It's like... Uh, I really feel like I'm dreaming. I mean, we we talk about, you know, Clint, Peter, and Michael as the dream team, but this whole project is like, talk about a dream team. I mean, basically a Monkey Island game that's developed gonna take, by Ron Gilbert, gonna, but also it's gonna has take Dominic Armato's voice acting. Monkey Island 2. So it's going to pick up after, you know, Ron's idea of what would happen after Monkey Island 2. I think they are going to incorporate some elements from the later games. And I would imagine they would do it in a tasteful way where it's not going to, like, crap on Curse of Monkey Island. But it's right. going to definitely... Which is totally well, and fine. And I do think the games, the Monkey Island games, are self-contained enough that... That's what I think, You know, yeah. like Monkey Island 4, for instance, the story of that game could easily it's take kind of a place. reboot yeah it yeah, feels almost like a soft reboot any of the games can kind of come the subsequent you know post monkey 2 can be situated yeah. in any order so i don't think like, it I, damages anything i'm really excited to have ron back in the world of monkey island i'm sure it's going to be a really funny and creative game not surprisingly to folks listening the thing i am the most excited for is definitely a new soundtrack by the dream team but particularly michael land he has not done a credited video game in a long time i have no idea what he's been up to i mean i'm sure he keeps himself busy with something you know i'm sure he has some sort of other career now maybe it's related to audio uh, or programming, but it, it will be really cool. Hopefully, there'll be a lot of press and a lot of interviews and stuff. Yeah, well, um, one of the cool maybe things... Maybe we could arrange something like that. One of the cool things on the score to Psychonauts 2, which mm-hmm. is 
incredible really by by all accounts um and you know peter mcconnell just did a wonderful job he always does a great job but it really feels like he particularly brought it for this uh there were a few tracks and one in particular that he brought in clint and michael to Mm -hmm. play on it so the three of them were actually performing together and they've done stuff like that over the years right and at the time you know when i saw this picture of of them together i had thought like oh what a fun little one-off thing right now the more that i think about it it's like they were probably together working on because they were working on this new monkey island yeah so the thing there's a lot of things i'm curious about one is it gonna be real performed is it gonna have actual players uh it'll be curious because depending on the budget i know that ron's little studio is involved there's another studio involved um so hopefully they have the budget for that i will say that where we are right now in like 2022 you can definitely get some amount of real performance way cheaper and easier than you could in the 90s. I mean, it's like that was back when they had to... Re- Imagine, you know, the, the process for Kurt's Monkey Island is probably all recorded to tape. Uh, you know, it, it probably and, was a lot more expensive to do that. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, if you're using, like, union session musicians, that that right. is so expensive. I do think... Um, and Lucas, all three of those composers can play different instruments. So, it'll be but cool Lucas to see Arts had a feature. huge budget back then. Yeah. Where this could have a lower budget, but nowadays, like, there's so many sessions that happen in Eastern Europe or happen in Nashville, um, and they happen remotely. And I just want it to, to be expressive. Like, for... I could see a combination of samples and real stuff. I basically want it to be as real as possible or sound blaster. <laughs> There's no way it's going to be that. I'm all, sure but. knowing Ron Gilbert, there are going to be some classic some jokes yeah. where, you know, there'll be references to the older games. There'll be references to the pixely art style. It's yeah. going to be breaking the fourth wall humor, but it's just like the combination of getting Ron's, writing brain with Dominic mm-hmm. Armado's brilliant representation of Guybrush Threepwood. It's like, it really is the perfect dream. Because I love, honestly, Curse is <laughs> maybe my favorite Monkey Island. Like, I love Curse of Monkey it's Island. Amazing. It's amazing. flawless. Well, also, we got to mention that Dave, I mean, Dave Grossman, I believe, is is co-writing, too. I mean, he's, yeah. he's heavily involved in the game. We'll see what, what overall capacity. But yeah, I mean, that's really exciting, too. Um, it's interesting I can't how there, the one thing that's sad is I wish Tim Schafer could I be know. involved, and I'm sure it's just because. But of there's only so many scheduling. amazing people you can you can have. And that, also, it's, it's in probably a conflict of interest unless they're going to be could partnering be. with Double Fine. I don't know that at, he as the head of a company. I don't know if he can just like honestly. Work. I haven't been this excited for every aspect of a video game in a long time. Probably since I first heard the announcement of Prime Four before all the different. Yeah, uh, you know, drama that that's had. But Same. yeah, I'm just so excited to play the game, to hear the soundtrack, to hear just the, the actors that I love, you know, yeah, in their it roles. It really is a surreal. I'm more excited for this than I was at the prospect of a new Star Wars trilogy. It's like I warmed up to the idea much more yeah, as it that got wasn't closer. something I ever really wanted to. So that yeah. that was that was interesting. Where I definitely have been wanting this for a long time. Yeah. Um, let's so let's answer some listener cues here. We'll see how much we have time to get to. At some point, we could do some rapid fire too. But let's start off here. Uh, first one comes from Axe Finger. 
Axe says, what advice slash resources would you suggest for someone learning to write music, specifically uh, making interesting chord progressions and harmonies? Will, why don't you start off? Do you have any ideas off the top of your head of resources or advice? Yeah, well, I mean, if I would have prepared for this, I would come (laughs) in with a lot of uh, specific um, names of YouTube channels to check out or online learning programs. But, um, you know, one resource that I would really recommend, YouTube obviously is the go-to answer for a lot of people. And there are so many incredible people creating content, not only about you know, music theory concepts, but mm-hmm. also, you know, educational things. The The one thing there is you'll want to sift through the, uh, there's a lot on, there's YouTube a lot of, of sifting. Yeah. There's a lot of people doing the exact same thing. And sometimes the video that has the most eyeballs isn't necessarily the one that's the most useful. And a lot of educational YouTube content is more for entertainment purposes. Like yeah. someone like Adam Neely or Rick Beato, like I think they're, I love watching their videos, but I see that as almost more benefit for people who are already musicians and making music as kind of a like, especially Rick. I mean, also. Rick's stuff is definitely more just, at least for me, it feels like more entertainment or, or I mean, sometimes clickbaity stuff, which I, I'm not always really into. Right. But um, he does also have videos where he'll really go into breaking yeah, yeah, down sure. specific sure. theory yeah. of songs have, and stuff. I have a little bit of a love-hate thing going on with Rick sometimes. So the one thing that I would say, uh, another resource in addition to YouTube, and this is all before I would suggest, you know, buying books and going mm-hmm. to school or anything. Or taking um, some lessons. LinkedIn Learning is an excellent mm. tool it's it's you you do have to pay for a subscription but it's kind of like the ultimate curated version of of like what youtube educators are doing right. and the you can take these courses that are um you know they're break they break down into these small little facets so i i was using it to learn logic because i had mm. to learn logic before i started my internship with mark yeah and it was so helpful because not only could i find all these courses on really specific general overview things but also granular stuff but you didn't have to watch the entire video because the lessons right. were broken down into these bite-sized pieces so you could find exactly what you were looking for they're all really well produced um and it's it's been sort of pre-vetted for you so you know that all the information you're getting is accurate um it's from credible reliable sources which in something like music when you're when you're talking about learning interesting chords and stuff like that there's a subjectivity there there's not necessarily like you're gonna get someone who doesn't know what they're talking about but I do think that um, having something with a little bit more credibility can, at the no, very for least, sure. help lead you down. Um, yeah, no, that's a that's a path. great idea. One thing I just wanted to say before we move on to the next question is that one of the best things you can do, and this just makes you a stronger musician and composer, is try to listen to a bunch of different kinds of music and as much as possible. See if you can using your ear figure out what the chords and what the harmonies are in a piece of music that you think is really good. Uh, and it can be any any genre. It can be Tchaikovsky or the Beatles or anything, but try to listen and figure out what's happening and you can actually apply right. that to your own music. So that's one of the most, 100%. most helpful and, skills. I mean, that is how both Carl and Marty, or that is how both Carl and Marty learned 
um, music. And that's yeah, mostly sure. how I learned. I also mm-hmm. had the benefit of learning explicit stuff from you guys. But really, the things that sunk in were the things that I without speaking, yep. without reading a word, figured out on my own. Uh, this is interesting. Michael Frank says, uh, Koji, this is funny, Koji Kondo melodies or John Williams melodies? A bit of a silly question, obviously. Uh, we don't yeah. want to get rid of either of those, but I, if I'm going just with my heart, I would probably have to pick Koji, um, but that's not. there's not any like intellectual reason why that is. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that answer. I I would pick Koji because I feel like I have a more intimate relationship with yeah, his music. much more. Um, yet I would not argue if someone said John Williams is the greatest composer well, also, who's ever lived. <laughs> another reason why I would say that is like a lot of, and obviously I love old school video game music, but I will admit that you know eight and sixteen bit stuff. It doesn't sound good if you're gonna like present it to someone who didn't grow up with that. Like it's not like. I don't know. It doesn't feel maybe it's as not definitive. always palatable. Like, you listen to the London Symphony Orchestra. I mean, on every level, I mean, playing someone Star Wars main theme recorded in 1977. I mean, it's just amazing. And, and not just the writing, but the performance, everything. Whereas like with Koji, the melodies do transcend those fairly silly sounds. And so there's something special. Yeah, about it's interesting. Too. They're They're so different in the sense that with John he's kind of this sort of both and where it's like he found how to bridge the worlds of like the directness and clarity of the melody of a pop song yeah with the orchestral and symphonic sophistication of a Ravel or Stravinsky or Rachmaninoff and he can he can do it he really knows what he's doing and he he grew up surrounded and inundated with music and he just breathes it and speaks it so fluently yet i can't think of another composer that is in those kind of i guess highfalutin circles and has that appreciation of really dissonant avant-garde you know yeah. 20th century you know what's concert funny music is, but can write these catchy tunes as there well. are a lot of similarities actually to those two so i like that question for a lot of reasons uh but what wait but one one other thing that i want to say is like koji as the kind of contradiction to that it's he's someone where it's like kind of like you were hinting at carl it's like his melodies needed to cut through the imperfect presentation and so many of his innovations because i i think of both of them as more than just writing great tunes and both of those composers often get reduced to well yeah they write catchy tunes but there's nothing sophisticated bs Mm. and i think that's just as true for koji as it is for john williams even though their styles and their opportunities have been so different the innovations that koji made harmonically in terms of arranging in terms of sound design on that hardware was so incredibly important and done with a high degree of thought yeah taste, you also and can't sensitivity you can't separate the the medium and like what they were trying to achieve in something like a star wars movie from 77 and an nes video game 1985 so yeah that's that's important too uh steno knight has a fun question here uh what's the first complete game soundtrack you're gonna play for your kid uh that is such a good question i think my heart would probably go either Mario 64 or Sonic 2, but I might Dude, actually. We're so opt... similar. Those were like the two I was gonna say. <laughs> but I might opt for like some sort of like a lullaby version album of those, or maybe just like play some of those melodies 
myself on piano or something. Um, but yeah, yeah that's, that's it's interesting because I think like they're going to be exposed to that music from such an early age. But I think the first consciously like showing them a soundtrack, I, 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 I think it will depend on them. It'll depend on oh, their sure, tastes yeah. and what they like. And I'm going to want to expose I'll probably them have to a something lot. that I think. There's no doubt that there'll be a lot of that music. Because like Joe listens to that music all the time. Like is background music on her computer when she's working. Or even just like, you know, doing chores or whatever. And obviously I do too. So I, I there's no doubt that that stuff's going to be around. Um, so yeah, that's that's a really cool question. I like, this is a cool question. Uh, Grimkin asks, what was your favorite episode that you've ever done and why? Also, what was your favorite album that you've ever done? Um, let me start with album. I think for Mercado Bros, it would probably be tied. I would probably say the Hello World stuff and the, the uh, Hero of Legend 2 so far. Those have maybe been my favorites. Um, episode, favorite episode. I have such great memories of that first David Wise interview. Um, hmm. That's definitely up there. The interviews are probably the most exciting memories and the ones that maybe I'm the most proud of, but some of those more theoretical episodes, like our season premiere episodes that we used to do, uh, any one of those, I mean, I, I was very, very proud of. So, man, it's so hard to pick. I don't know if I can narrow it down. Yeah, I, I love my favorite episodes are the ones that the three of us are on, you, me, and Marty. Yeah. And, I mean, I remember, I don't know, like the Twilight Princess episode that we did. I also remember the Super Mario 64 episode. That we I love the trilogy. Like, the Mario trilogy episode is one of my favorites. That was also really fun. I mean, anything where we're talking about something really classic that we all know and love, but yep. getting to sort of dissect it, dig in a little bit deeper. And one of my favorite things about it, I think some people have this idea that, you know, when you dissect something you love, you end up killing it in the process. Mm. And I hope that with this show, we've been able to show that that doesn't have to be the case. You yeah. can kind of take a closer look and examine something from a place of love and get something really informative out of it. You can take pieces. It's like what I've loved about doing this show, I've grown so much as a composer in my knowledge and understanding of music just simply from being able to listen to all this music and dissect it together to talk about what did we like what did we notice sometimes what didn't we like where would we have wanted it to go what would we <laughs> have done differently than the composer in noticing things like "Ooh, i love that chord he uses and then you hear it in another piece and you're like that's the hiroki morishita chord you yeah, know it's like, like so stuff helpful. like that it's uh, so the whole podcast really it's it's hard to pick one <laughs> the entire um, podcast is my favorite uh this is a this is a fun and quick one uh do you guys oh, wait listen I, to, I have to answer the album oh yeah your album um, let's say mercado bros there's there's a few i in terms of like it started off as a soundtrack but now it's kind of like an album i loved doing the soaring through the stars with you yeah. that was like one of our yeah, early that's up there dual collaborations in a sort as of far as like the way. memories of it but also just i'm still very very proud of that music i think yeah the music's weird and interesting and different and doesn't sound like either of us but sort mm -hmm. of sounds like both of us it's awesome but yeah definitely hello world i have so much nostalgia and fondness for both of those and i think both the hero of legend so far i think the fact that hero of legend 2 
is maybe my favorite thing that we've all worked mm. on. It's yeah. it's good to feel like our most recent sort of out. You know, I mean, obviously we've done <laughs> plenty of things since then, but like it's definitely as not the Super Mercado Brothers. <laughs> like I'm I'm glad that I feel like our most recent entry is something that yeah. we're the most proud I'm of. I'm confident saying that we are, going. we are not bad. Uh, <laughs> all right. This is a quick fun one. Do you guys listen to any other VGM podcasts? You know, these days there's not a lot of podcasts in general that I listen to other than some comedy, chill laid back ones when I'm like doing chores or driving. Uh, Conan is probably the one I listen to most other than uh, if I were you. Uh, Jake and Amir's podcast. But yeah, I used to listen to a lot of them. I mean, obviously we listened to some that inspired us, like Legacy Music Hour inspired us to do our podcast. So a long time ago I did. I used to listen to VG Empire. Um, I've listened to uh, some episodes here and there of almost all of the the community, the VGM podcast community. Um, And so I always like to check in with people now and then. Um, But yeah, I don't really have... It's interesting, like there's so much time that I spend preparing for the podcast and like doing and editing and like doing our podcast that when I have free time, the kind of the last thing I want to listen to is more VGM podcast, like other people talking about it. I kind of just want to listen to the music, uh, to, to get inspired and to, you know, get content for future episodes of ours. So that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah. I think that's, I I'm, I'm similar. I, I honestly don't listen to, it's not even just VGM. I don't really listen to many music podcasts. Yeah, I don't all. either. I think part of it is I spend so much of my day doing music that it's like when yeah. I'm looking yeah, exactly. to get something I want in the comedy. background, I, I <laughs> music, it takes too much of my focus. So it's like, I can't have music in the background because I get distracted. Even when I'm working at Mark's studio, I'll be doing like these orchestrations for him. And then I hear him working on a cue in the other room and I just lose myself for a second because you just mm. get drawn into the music. And yeah. I think music podcasts for me are great if I can just dedicate all of my time and attention to it. So yep. when I do listen to stuff, I'll listen to like Level by Emily Reese if there's an interview mm-hmm. with a composer that I'm really curious yeah, about. Yeah, same here. But it's more of a like, I, I'm seeking it out for a specific reason. A lot of the podcasts that I listen to, one of my favorites is Script Notes by John yeah. August and Craig Mazin, two incredible legendary screenwriters um, who have this wonderful podcast on screenwriting and things that are interesting to screenwriters. And they're one of the last podcasts that does the, of that scale and that caliber that does not monetize. There's no That's really advertising. Cool. I mean, I think they have like a premium something you can pay to get like bonus episodes, but like they do it purely for love of the craft and wanting to get the information out there. And you know, I'm not a screenwriter, but I think there are so many in the same way that like comedy and music have these similarities. Cause I also listen to all the, the craft podcasts of you art. Mentioned. I mean, it's kind of universal in some ways. Yeah. And it's, uh, there's so much that you can take away from in, in that, that I just relate to certain similar, like when you hear them get really passionate about something like the way a character needs to enter a scene, it's so similar to the way an instrument group or the way a musical idea enters in a song or like Mm. musicians have these really passionate opinions that sometimes come from an indefensible place but we feel it and we know it with conviction it's so funny well i i assume that was going to be a short question and it it 
it launched <laughs> you off into a whole world. So let's just do one more final question here. Thanks uh, to all the questions that we've got. Hopefully, we'll time maybe for some of these in a future episode. Uh, Inspector Specter asks, uh, he has one question for each of us. Carl, if Joe gave you carte blanche uh, <laughs> access to name your baby after any VGM composer or video game character, what would you choose? And Will, uh, have you played any of your original VGM tunes for Mark? Uh, if so, what did he say? Or we could change that to, if you haven't, which one would you choose to play for him? Oh, my um, God. <laughs> I love that question. I, I will say that without spoilers, there is a boy and a girl name that is related to video games that are very, very much possibilities for me and Joe. So there is a chance that the name we pick will have some uh, relation to games, and you'll have to wait and see on that. But as far as composer, I, I would never do a first name, to be honest. Like... The closest I would do, and I don't, <laughs> even if she did let me do this, it'd be like a middle name of Koji. I just feel like that would be kind of cringy and kind of silly. So I don't think, yeah. even if I had the ability, I don't think I would do that. <laughs> so yeah, I think I'm excited. I'm excited uh, to eventually share what. what uh, yeah, what I mean, I think so. the fact that so many of the composers we love are Japanese. There seems like something yeah. weird about an American Super weird. white yeah. guy. Very cringy. Their- Kid so I Japanese won't be doing name. that. But look forward to what it is. Will, what about yeah. your question? I hope it's Princess Toadstool, middle name Peach, <laughs> or Princess Miles Connect Brueggemann. Uh, Princess Prowers. and then middle name Connect. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. What about your question about Mark? Um, I haven't showed Mark any video game music. I, I, I talked. I mentioned to him a little bit that I do, you know, chip tunes and stuff. But mm-hmm. I think if I were going to play him something, I probably would completely double down and play like the most electronic, chippy yeah. type of thing. I wouldn't play something that sounds at all like film music. I mean, if I wanted sure. to play like a film cue, I, I don't know. I would be tempted to do something that is like so far field from his own aesthetic because I think mm-hmm. that's what he would like. The most because what's interesting is you know on his own time when he makes music it's nothing like his film music he, he's known for doing a lot of um really rich colorful harmony sort of post-minimalism uh beautiful orchestral americana i mean he's really versatile he can do a lot of things but the music he I makes in we'll, his free time is like all this analog synth ambient well yeah well i think textures. one of your really elaborate like fami tracker compositions yeah. like the most impressive technical fami tracker composition i could see him enjoying that getting a kick out of it for sure yeah so maybe one day you'll yeah. be able to do that <laughs> Once more, thanks to everyone for their questions. Uh, we'll try to do this more often. Uh, next episode, we definitely want to get some... Uh, we've done this multiple times now in our new era, but we want to have more involvement uh, from our community. So hopefully we'll be able to have some sort of fun segment. Uh, if anyone ever has an idea for a segment uh, or anything, definitely shoot us an email or message us on Discord or whatever or Twitter um, because we're all ears. We, we want to have as much involvement as possible from the community. So yeah, Absolutely. hopefully look forward to that for next episode. And then I will say one little plug is um, later this summer, I, I did have on the docket sometime this summer to do another bad music episode could be like a Mercado classic bad number whatever it is because get those are just that too one. fun yeah let's do it man <laughs> that would be so we'll get, hard because what the goal will be we have to be so inebriated that the music starts to sound good <laughs> that's tough so if you if it was like 9 p.m your time what would that be my time 
that would be would that be 11 i'd have to stay up late for that but yeah, no, man, no, no yeah. that that'll be so fun. The one other thing I forgot to mention, one of the coolest things that has happened in the last few weeks for me is I've gotten to meet all of these composers and go on these yes. studio tours. And I got to meet Thomas Newman, who so I mean, cool. insane, absolute legend. But, you know, I, I just need to shout to the world that he's the absolute nicest guy that he's everything you could ever want him to be. He's so articulate and he's funny. He's smart. He was really generous with his time and with the advice that he shared and these stories. I was getting to ask him about, you know, his relationship with Stephen Sondheim. And he was telling me these stories about, you know, how he played him some of the Sweeney Todd music, like before the show came out and, yeah, you said he got to his relationship with John. John let him work on one cue from Return of the Jedi, which is absolutely right. insane. Yeah, it's yeah. It, what a cool that experience was, that was. That was unbelievable to kind of like meet. I mean, the Newmans are Hollywood royalty when Indeed. it comes to music. Like they're, you know, like they're the Medici's or whatever of movie <laughs> music. So, and he was also t- he mentioned a little bit like Randy, and I mean. Yeah. Everybody loves Randy Newman. <laughs> you gotta love Randy Newman, even just as a like a meme or as someone to joke about or tease. Yeah, it's like, a lot. You know, we love those old. You basically have mad to love TV them, sketches, yeah. but yeah. Well, guys, look forward to next episode. Um, again, we want to have some fun involvement uh, from the community this summer. Look forward to eventually a bad music episode, and then I actually have a chiptune compilation album that I'll be putting up on Friday, July first. So look forward to that. I'll probably have a listening party the night before. Uh, yeah, I think that's about it. Anything else you want to say at the end, Will? I don't think so. Just, yeah, thanks again to all of our listeners. Thank you for all of your continued support. And thank we you love for y'all. your questions. Like, it, yeah. it's really touching to me that, I, I don't know, the fact that people even know or remember that I moved to LA or <laughs> someone asked a question. <laughs> so about, many Have people want to hear about it. Yeah, it was, like, that's, that's yeah. crazy to me that anyone's like, I just I want you guys to know that really means a lot that you I don't know not just listen to our podcast but clearly like care about the things that are happening in our lives like we're yeah, just very so sweet grateful and I think that's something that really you know at VGM con this year I I really felt that that love um and part of it was just being able to be, do something like that in mm-hmm. person again um yeah I just feel like it's a good I feel like we're both in a good place right now, you and I, and mm-hmm. I'm I'm so looking forward to the next few years because I'm excited to hopefully go back to MAGFest and I'm excited to yeah. do more stuff with the Mercado band. And even though now that we're remote or, I mean, you know, we have been for the last few years, but like, I don't know, I, I'm excited to be wrapping up grad school Um so yeah wrapping up school in general i mean you've been in school since age five (laughs) i know yeah Yeah, i mean there was a pretty crazy i took a few years after college before deciding that's true that's true but well thanks so much everyone for listening for your support and for your kind words and emails and tweets and messages and everything we'll talk to you in a couple weeks i think that's about it my name is carl brueggemann and i'm will brueggemann have an awesome week everybody peace out (laughs) 